0: good evening if you'd like to follow along in the scripture reading and the study tonight open your Bibles to 2nd Timothy chapter 4 we'll be looking at this text before we begin this lesson let's go to our father in prayer Heavenly Father, we truly are grateful that we can call you our Father. And although you are the the creator, you have shown your love to us. You have made it possible for us to become your children. And we are grateful for that tremendous outpouring of love toward us through Christ. Father, we pray that as we go into this new year, that we might grow in the mindset, that the mindset that can help us to live for you as you desire. And Father, we pray that your will be done. We pray that you might work through this congregation and through our lives. And Father, we pray for those that are around us who don't yet know you, and have not yet given their lives to you father we we pray that something that can be done or said that you can use that to touch their hearts and father as we look at your word tonight we, we pray that that something that is said this evening from your word might so work on on our hearts and our minds that we might grow in that mindset that enables us to be used by you and to endure. Father, thank you for your your care and love. And we just pray that you continue to strengthen us. And we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. History is scattered with stories of heroes. Heroes that would rise up during times of of crisis. Many of us will be familiar with the movie Schindler's List from 1993 um, about the German manufacturer who saved more than a thousand Jews during the Holocaust. In fact, there were many other Schindlers most of who have remained largely unsung. In Berlin alone, 1,400 Jews survived the war through the assistance of fellow Germans. But there's a haunting question, and, and the question is: Why were there not more Schindlers? Why were there not more people who would stand up in that society and do what was right and rescue their fellow human being from cruelty and all that was going on? And the answer, at least in part, is a general statement, a general indictment about humanity. It seems as we look at history that the majority of people prefer just to take the path of least resistance. Winners, however, are different. The winning mindset, it pushes through difficulties. It goes around obstacles and, and whatever lies in the way of what is best and good. And the reason is because the race is worth it. The, the effort to achieve the goal is worth it if someone is simply going to live for comfort if simply if someone simply prefers what is is comfortable then that individual is never going to win a race you know all champions have a mindset that prepare them and that drive them toward victory And coaches try to work with teams all the time to instill this mindset within them. And and what needs to happen is that those that are in the race, those that are moving toward the goal, are going to need to deem what they're pursuing as being worth the effort to overcome whatever lies in the way and to keep on going until they've achieved it. You know, at the start of the year, this seems like like the perfect time, a good time, to consider the characteristics and the qualities of Christians who have run the race well. Because we have the opportunity to look at them and to look at their their traits and what they've exemplified in their lives. Those things that have been ex- exemplary of a champion. So that we can learn and take from them. And as we go into the coming months and the weeks ahead and days, we can put those principles into practice. What a wonderful time to be reminded what we can learn from those who are winners. For me, Paul deserves a a spot on the short list of those Christians who have, who have exemplified not only a winning attitude but also a winning service to our Lord. If part of the mindset of of being a winner involves the ability to endure, then consider paul's situation, as well as his message that he wrote to Timothy in that second letter, which we call Second Timothy, when Paul wrote this letter, already his resolve in serving Christ had been tested when he' had been taken as a prisoner, he could have chosen the easy road uh, when, when they took him and the, and he's now in shackles. And you can see how serious this is getting. He could have said, Well, you know, there's been a misunderstanding. I really don't mean everything I just said. He could have sought an easier road to get out of those chains rather than to continue to walk that path. Already at this point, he's gone through, as mentioned this morning, beatings and stonings and shipwreck. And now, as he writes this letter, recall Second Timothy, he's an old man. He's imprisoned. He's awaiting his sentence and quite possibly a death sentence. And Paul puts his pen, perhaps for the final time, to some papyrus to communicate what is important. And what gushes forth? Sterling. For in spite of the difficulties and the trials that he's going through, his message, his resolve is one of pressing forward for Christ. He writes Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. This is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship to the point of imprisonment as a criminal. Now remember, he has not done anything wrong. He he is not a criminal. He, He has not stolen. He has not hurt other people. He has stood up for Christ. And that has led to his chains. But then he continues on, but God's message is not imprisoned. Look at the winning attitude that Paul exemplified in spite of his situation. I'm suffering hardship to the point of being being imprisoned like a criminal, but you know what? Although I'm in chains, God's word is not. He will also write to Timothy, so I endure all things for the sake of Those chosen by God, that they too may obtain salvation in Christ Jesus and its eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful since he cannot deny himself. Look at the ideas that he's writing here. Look at what is foremost on the minds of this apostle. He starts this paragraph with, you know, I'm enduring all things. It's for the sake of people that that they can become Christian. It, It reminds us of his statement where, where he would write that he would become all things to all people so that by all means he might save some. That's the mentality he's still living with. Look at the, look at the items he itemizes. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. Here's a reference to what happens in Baptism. A reference, and Paul would write about it in Romans 6 and Colossians 2, that when a person comes to Christ, they die. And they are no longer Lord of their life, but now Christ is Lord. They are making a commitment to Him and not only relying on Him for salvation, but they are becoming His. But look at His language. If we died with Him, we're going to live with Him. If we endure, if we deny Him, if we are unfaithful, people who are hard-pressed, they focus on such thoughts. That they look on at that, you know, keep, keep going on. They, they look at what's necessary to endure. The person who's comfortable doesn't talk about dying and enduring and denying and, and what happens if I remain, if I become unfaithful. But these are the thoughts of a person who is hard-pressed. And he says, if we keep going, we're also going to reign with him. Chapter 4 and verse 6. Again, look at Paul's situation. He says, I'm already being poured out as an offering. My life is being spent like a sacrifice. And the time for, for me to depart is at hand. Now, here's something of a description about the outward trials that are pressing upon Paul. And do these qualify in view of his persistence in pressing forward for him to be an example of someone with a champion's mindset? And the answer is certainly. But this is not the only pressure that Paul is experiencing. He also remained a champion in spite of an inner gnawing. Paul faced loneliness and alienation. And yet despair had not washed away his service to the Lord. And we can see that loneliness as he writes in what we call chapter 4 and verse 9. His words in 4 and 9 are haunting to me. They are the cry of someone who longs for companionship. As he comes to the end of his life, he, he wants a faithful servant to be there with him. He wants Timothy to join him. And so he simply writes to Timothy, make every effort to come to me soon. Don't just think about, yes, put this in your planner for when you can get around to it, Timothy. But come now. Make every effort now to come. Here's words of a man who really wants to see that fellow co-worker one more time, what's Paul going through? Two verses later, he tells us, only Luke is with me. yeah, that writer of of the Gospel of luke and and acts that's his only companion, and this statement summarizes what's occurred. Paul has found himself alone, except for Luke. All the others are have gone off their travelling. Tychicus has gone off to Ephesus, we learn in chapter 4 and verse 12. Crescens has gone to Galatia, chapter 4 and 9. Titus has gone to Dalmatia, chapter 4 and 9. And when we realize the mindset of Paul and how he's so concerned for people, what we read in chapter 4 and verse 10 is particularly disturbing. Demas deserted me since he loved the present age. And he went to Thessalonica. Here's this apostle who pours his life out for people. You know, he's seen the risen Lord. He knows this is true. He knows the truthfulness of Jesus' parables, that when a person finds the kingdom, they need to give everything to get it. Because it is everything. And so Jesus would tell the parable about the man who discovers this hidden treasure, the kingdom. And he sells everything he has to get it. Because he understands its value. And Paul has been caught up and he realizes the value of the kingdom. He realizes the value of salvation. He has seen the risen Lord. He knows it's true. And so he's doing everything he can to rescue people, to help them come into a knowledge of Christ. And here is someone who's been with him who has deserted because he loves this present age more. Don't you know how that must have just crushed Paul on the inside? Here's someone who was there, and then something that twinkles and that glitters now suddenly became more important. In fact, what Paul recounts for Timothy as he writes this letter, it's a horrific story about what he has gone through. Chapter 4 and verse 16, At my first offense, no one appeared in my support. Instead, they all deserted me. May they not be held accountable for it. You talk about alienation. What a scene. Paul's called up. The trial begins. His first defense where he's going to be speaking about why he's in chains and explaining it. And the Christian brothers, they don't want to be seen with him. And Paul has to face this all alone. And he prays and he says, Timothy, you know, I pray to God that he will not hold it against. Hold it against those Christian brothers. But everyone deserted me in my hour of need. And so here we have a man who on the outside has had all those pressures and difficulties, but that's not just from out, it's within. And it's what he's experienced in his psyche as well. And yet, in spite of all of it, Paul has kept pressing on. And that is the mindset of a champion. And Paul describes his arduous path and where it has brought him with these words. I have competed well. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and finally the crown of righteousness is reserved for me. This Lord, the righteous judge, will award it to me in that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have set their affection on his appearing. That is the mindset of a champion. It's also a message for Timothy, and it's a message for us. Now at the start of this lesson, I have spent a lot of time <laughs> describing Paul's situation. The, the sort of trials he was going through as he wrote this, a, as well as where his mind was at. And, and the, the, the struggles he's had as people have deserted him. Why? Because in his ministry, he had it harder than me. (laughs) A lot harder. Because in his ministry, he had it harder than a Sunday school teacher. Because in his ministry... He had it harder than someone in Operation Connect, or in youth ministry, or in building and grounds, or in any of the other 30 plus ministries that we have. And he was going through very difficult times. And yet he found strength in his situation to keep on going, to keep on serving. And if if Paul, in that situation, with those sort of problems without and the gnawing within, if he could continue on in ministry, not just continue, but encourage others to keep on going, then how much more us if we have his mindset? Because we have it so easy. (laughs) So what is it? What is it that enables a person to endure like Paul and also to try to pass through whatever difficulty he finds and maintain the sort of attitude he does in service and ministry? You know, can we bottle up what Paul had? (laughs) I like to take some drink of that. I like to pass it out to others. This morning, during the Lord's Supper, Jeff mentioned that this time of year people make resolutions about how they want to live and I think it would be particularly important for me for us to make a resolution that we're going to glean from Paul's mindset and what he has to offer about how to have the mindset of a champion You see, Paul's mindset is no secret. As he wrote to Timothy, what we're doing is we're listening on a conversation between a coach and an upcoming athlete who is very good. And we discover the coach passing along some of the keys that that he has been using to endure and to go through whatever it is that he's encountered. And if we have ears to hear, God's message through Paul is can also help us grow in our winning mindset and in our service to our master. And here are just a a couple of principles that come from chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. There's many principles. but, But one is remember that God is at work. God's at work. It's not just our hands but God's at work Listen again to what he wrote At my first defense no one appeared in my support Instead they all deserted me may that not be held may they not be held accountable for it but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me God was at work when I was facing the most difficult point He was there beside me he strengthened me so that through me the message would be fully proclaimed for all the Gentiles to hear. And so I was delivered from the lion's mouth. I, I, I was delivered through that situation. You see, God was with me. And he strengthened me and he helped me. God's at work. Even when Paul's trusted companions had abandoned him, Paul knew God was still at work and would be at work, although he was physically alone. Undoubtedly, Paul was praying for strength and he gave God the credit for every step that he could continue to make as he stood there and he defended why he was in chains and explained to people the story that had put him there. Paul knew that God is at work through his people to ensure that God's purposes will be fulfilled. Another principle that comes out of to us in chapter four about the mindset that this champion has is remember jesus is returning and he does the judging it's not me it's not you the coach in chapter four and verse two is going to charge timothy now get on with your ministry start doing the things make it practical And he outlines for Timothy what he needs to be doing. But let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 4. And notice the reason why Timothy is to be engaged in his ministry. He says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. And then he starts into, here's what you need to be doing. But he lays the basis for what... What Timothy is supposed to be doing is I'm going to charge you and it's before God it's before Christ who's the judge and Christ coming back and in view of the kingdom because of these things you need to get on with serving our Lord now not all of us are engaged in preaching to congregations But this does not change the fact that all of us are going to be judged. It does not change the fact that every member of Christ's body has been commissioned to serve our Lord. And so like this morning as we were looking at Ephesians, and Paul would write, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. We are commissioned to serve. And it's, it's service that's beautiful. It's doing good. Not evil, not hurting people. But doing what is going to be lifting them up. Doing good. And we discover from the coach that this mindset of God, Christ, the, the kingdom, Christ coming back, This permeated his understanding and how he thought about life. And these truths should motivate any Christian, not just a Timothy or a Paul, to be faithful servants in whatever ministry they're engaged in. And if they're not engaged in ministry, to say, you know, in view of God, in view of Christ and His coming back and and being the judge, in view of the kingdom, I need to get busy with serving God. In the various ways that he wants me to serve. But this truth about remembering that Christ is the one who does the judging, not me or you, and God and the kingdom. That focus, that truth, also provides a response to a common problem. You know, something can happen to us as we're running a race and I really feel at this point unqualified to talk about running races because it's been too many decades (laughs) it's more of a distant memory than anything else But, but in the races that I would run so long ago five miles something happened at four miles At four miles, if not sooner, the legs began to talk. And they said, I really don't want to do this. And you really don't want to make me do this. And they kind of go numb. And if you focus, if you think about the situation you slow down, and you stop. And if you're going to win, the only way you do it is you forget about your legs, and you focus on what is worth the effort, and you keep going. You see, our focus can be distracted in service. How many times have we been tempted to think, you know, this ministry makes me tired. We've had a bus ministry here, and that took an enormous amount of work, I hear, from so many people. And and we talk with someone in the bus ministry, and as they talk about that experience, how many times do they, they talk about, you know, it was tiring... It took a lot, but also look at the result. So many kids, so many people were coming to Mac. that, a, As I understand it, the four-story building for the kids had to be built. How wonderful is that? But also look at the effort that went into that. It was not a life of comfort, a life of ease. It was a life of diligent dedication, and God brought a result. But ministry uh, keeps going on and on. There's always more kids to teach. There's always more to do. And if our focus shifts to such things, it's quite easy to get on a path of burning out and not being like the champion Paul, who had it so much worse than we do, but who kept going on. You know, there's another way that our focus can also shift from God, Jesus, the kingdom, and, and his return, sometimes a person's focus can, can shift toward their ministry and commending themselves based on comparing themselves and their ministry with other people. You know, I'm doing more than so-and-so. Or, conversely, oh, I can never do as much as them. And feeling discouraged and, and torn down. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 is going to say, you know, those who compare themselves with themselves and with others when they do that they are not wise. That's foolish. That's the wrong place. That's the wrong focus in ministry. For others that distracting focus might be how they evaluate their service based upon how they feel about their ministry. You know, I'm doing a great job. Again, the focus is misguided. Paul, in describing his own ministry and his conscience, or what he thought about it, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, he says, no, my conscience is clear. He's talking about the, his ministry of teaching and what he taught. He says, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my conscience is. What matters is that the Lord is going to judge me. That's what matters. So I don't judge myself. He will go on to say, what you need to do is focus on what's written and not to go beyond it. And then you're not going to get into all these other problems and all the divisions that were occurring at Corinth. And so Paul, the coach, he gives that correct focus. He charges Timothy in his ministry, God... Jesus is coming back and he's the judge. And remember what the kingdom's all about. Remember that in your ministry, Timothy. That's what you need to remember and focus on. This is good advice for all of us. Our service to God needs to be rooted in remembering why we're serving our Lord and that our ministry is worth it. Our Lord is worth it. He is coming back. And such service also recalls Jesus' parable of the of the ten Minas where the master he commissions his servant put this to work he gives resources he gives some time we don't know how much they don't know how much and he goes off he's gone and those different servants put those resources that they've been given to work and then Unexpectedly, one day the master shows up again and says, "Okay, what have you done? How have you used the time that I gave you? How have you used the resources I gave you for my purposes?" And we, we know the result of the some come and say, "Hey, you know, well, you gave me this and, and I've been at work and've been and here's what've what I've done with it, and well done, good and faithful servant, and others get, have done more and others have done less, and it doesn't matter how much it is. The response is always the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then finally someone shows up and says, Well, I didn't do a thing. You evil, you wicked servant. Throw him out. We live now in view of the future. The future hope that Christ has made possible for us is absolutely tremendous. And serving our Lord and enduring to the end is worth the effort. There's one other subtle lesson from the coach in remembering who God is and that it's Jesus who judges and and the kingdom and the Lord's coming back. He will also remind Timothy and he's going to remind us that the charge of our service comes from God remember that our service to God originates with God we're not serving our agenda we're not serving any human agenda we're looking at what our God wants us to do what our Lord has said here do and, and my yoke is not burdened what I'm asking you to do is not difficult my, my, my yoke is, is easy. My burden is light. But, but serve. It's not a human agenda. God has given His people what He wants them to do. And our service is to fulfill our responsibility to our Lord. Serving God is not equivalent to... To responding to the whims and the ideas of another human being. It entails fulfilling the ministry that the Creator of the universe has given to His people. And I know that each one of us wants to hear, and I want to hear, I, I want each one of us to hear one day Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in just a little. Here is the great treasure that I have for you. Paul wrote about a path. He described something of his mindset and running that path that leads to receiving the crown of righteousness. And some of those key aspects, just a few of them that we see in here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, involve... Remembering, even when we're discouraged, that God is at work. Remembering our Lord is returning, and it's He who rewards the crown of righteousness. Remember that our service is to God, and and that our service originates with God. It's from Him that we receive the service. And perhaps there is something here in God's Word that can help me this year, or that maybe can stimulate you, that can help us grow a little bit more into having that winning mindset in serving our Lord. That's my prayer. That something that Paul has written can touch each of us, and God can use it for his purposes. It may be this evening... That someone has not yet responded to the Lord. That's serious. The thought that comes to me from this morning is that's really like playing Russian roulette because every day we don't know when we get up and we don't know when we're going to die and it may be today. And it may be tomorrow. It may be 40, 60 years from now, depending on our age. We don't know when. But if we have not responded to our Lord, that's like having that pistol and spinning it and pulling the trigger. And if we don't die that day, we can live to spin it one more time tomorrow. But one day, the bullet goes off. And for many people, they have no idea it's going to happen that day. And for young people, they go, that's so far away. But for those of us who have lived long enough, through decades and decades, and we've seen and we know Not only older people who die, but young people who never expected to die. And and the message doesn't need to focus on, on fear, but it needs to focus on reality. And that's reality. I remember my friend Ted Sadoff, a Marine. I've mentioned him before. A Marine, a man's man. You know, I don't know, six two, six three, shoulders this wide. The Marine said, "Would you like a job at the embassy in Moscow? We want to impress them in the fittest of health." And on one Saturday, we're at at the uh, cafeteria at the university, and we're talking and and. He makes the comment, yeah, you know if you ever have you thought of death next following Friday he died. Death was the last thing on his mind. Little old lady went up by Abilene on the wrong way on the freeway. She was disoriented, came up, w- up over the hill, riding his motorcycle, and she hit him. And that was it. We don't need to live in fear, but we do need to live with reality because when we do die, we we wake up to face God. And if we're not in Christ, then we face His wrath. And so Jesus pleads with us to come. He died so that we can live. If there's any way that you're needing to respond to Christ, if you need prayers, whatever it might be, come while we stand and sing. Thine own way.